we attach meaning to everything we experience. So someone who maybe has a fear of being ghosted or, you know, has a hard time trusting other people and who's actively dating and comes across someone who just stops texting, you know, at like a certain time might not be able to understand like where, where you went and why you're doing that and might not be able to understand your boundaries. And Welcome to the Believe, Be Real, Be Bold podcast for authentic dating. My name is Dave Glazer, online personal trainer and obsessed with the Enneagram personality assessment. After going through a couple of breakups in 2017, I came across some really inauthentic people when dating in Denver. And instead of getting frustrated, I decided to create a community of authentic people myself. Come along with me on this path to authenticity as we welcome expert guests and real-life daters to share their tools, tips, and knowledge to help you show up as your most authentic self. Michelle Herzog is a certified sex therapist and licensed marriage and family therapist from Chicago, Illinois. I first caught her message on the Mark Groves podcast and just knew that I had to reach out and ask her to spend some time with us talking about her mission, which is to share what ethical dating is in the modern era. Today's episode, we go deep into uh, what submarining is and how ghosting lines up with your values and how to do a personal check-in to know that your values are being lived out each and every day. I caught up with Dr. Kristen Hick from the Center for Shared Insight last week, and we got the opportunity to chat and reconnect after her episode a couple months back, and we're excited to bring her back on in July as a guest. Before we get to the chance to do that next month, I want to remind you guys that they are available for teletherapy. So reach out to the Center for Shared Insight. If you're having a bit of a challenge now in your personal life, work life, love life, um, they specialize in relationships and dating, and they're available to anybody in Colorado through teletherapy services. So reach out now and book a complimentary call or consultation with Dr. Kristen Hick or Dr. Brittany Wolford from the Center for Shared Insight both of whom have been excellent resources and guests on the podcast before. Without further delay, let's get into today's episode with Michelle Herzog. Hey guys, welcome back. I'm honored to have my special guest, Michelle Herzog from Chicago, Illinois. How are you doing today? I am doing very well, thank you. That's good. I first caught wind of who you were on the Mark Groves podcast, one of my favorites to listen to. Mm -hmm. And wanted to just reach out and say how important your message was that you were delivering that day, and I just had to get you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. It's one of my yeah, favorite you... things to talk about. <laughs> Modern dating. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, it is. <laughs> uh huh. And and the shit show that it can turn into. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what really stood out at me is your your foundation of values and authentic dating, and then we're, we we want to jump into ethical dating too and define that later but let's get to know you a little bit better let's have some fun um how did you decide that lmft was your route so i actually um wanted to be a sex therapist that was my kind of decision in college um i was in like a psych class and there was like a little blurb about it in a book and i'm like that's interesting i'm gonna do some research and back then you know there weren't many sex therapists in chicago um, so I guess basically took it upon myself to figure out, well, like, how do I get here? So a marriage and family therapy program was the best way. So I can have that couples training. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really why I chose to be a marriage and family therapist. Um, so I could then have that uh, relational framework to become a certified sex therapist. And how is that going for you? How deep <laughs> into, into the, the world of talking about sex do you go? Um, it's literally all I do. <laughs> um, so my, my practice here in Chicago is a sex and relationship therapy practice. Um, we only really work with people who are coming in with relationship issues or sexual issues or dating issues. Um, that's one of our other subspecialties. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really my world. Um, it's been my world for a very long time and I hope it continues to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you're good at it. So let's talk about what your clients uh, in general say about dating in the modern era. I, I have two types of clients. I have the clients that I work with individually, and then I have the people who attend our dating workshops um, and come to learn about ethical dating and things like that. So my clients that I have one-on-one, 
um, are really there to learn, you know, how to be a more effective dater, how to work through maybe some of their trauma with dating, um, how to understand their attachment in dating and to put up better boundaries and like really understand their role as a dater. Um, and sometimes it turns to like, why is this so hard? Which, you know, I think is a really great question and something that a lot of people feel. Um, and then we have our the workshop person, you know, who, who, who will come to our smaller workshops and they're small on purpose because we want people to feel like they can be open and talk to each other and talk about their experiences. Um, and these are, the, these are the people who come to really understand like how, how they can be more effective at dating and have some more communication skills under their belt, um, really understand what our value and ethic dating system looks like, and you know, have a better understanding of, again, when can I put up some boundaries, not, not just sexual boundaries, but like boundaries around chatting and um, first dates and things like that. Mm-hmm. Totally get it. And we're, we're towing the line. I think we're dancing around what we really want to talk about today. And, and let's start with values. Um, yeah. how, how do we identify our own values? And then uh, we'll get to how do we match those values with somebody else? Yeah. So we all have our own value system. Okay. And everyone's values are going to be different and that's all right. Right. So that, that can come from what your family has taught you, what you've learned about yourself in the world. Um, you know, things that you've just discovered along the way, like, again, everyone has their own set of values. So I think it's important to help people identify what those are just in general. So they can say like, my value is I am a kind person. Therefore I treat all the people around me with kindness. That's a value. Okay. Um, when it comes to dating, something that we try to talk with people about is, well, what are your dating values? Like, how do you want to show up as a dater? Um, and are you following through with the values that you say are important to you? Because that's obviously the second part of it. Um, so if you tell me that my value is I'm not going to ghost anyone, but then you're ghosting people like left and right, then mm-hmm. is, is that really one of your dating values? And is it that important to you? Um, so does, does uh, that make sense? Absolutely. Let's define yeah. ghosting. I think everybody knows what ghosting knows is, it. but it's like the original, it's like the OG. Right. But let's just say that like I was chatting with a a recent divorcee in San Francisco last night over Instagram, which is how our conversations get started. And she hasn't dated since her divorce. So maybe that person wouldn't know what ghosting is or what it could do um, short term. And then if it's repeated and repeated and repeated, what kind of um, trauma that could induce into our dating life. So ghosting is when you are speaking to someone over an app, or maybe you've dated them for a couple of weeks or a month, or maybe six months, and all of a sudden they just completely disappear on you. They ghost. Um, Nowhere to be found, no explanation, not responding to your text messages. They've completely disappeared. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe they even left things at your house and they don't even care about them because- The classic leave behind. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, so that is what ghosting is. The impact of ghosting is incredibly harmful, um, especially if someone is experiencing being ghosted over and over again, because what it does is it sets up this narrative that there m- must be something wrong with me if people keep disappearing on me, right? And that can turn into some pretty traumatic, you know, dating I- ideals, um, that one person might have about themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, ghosting in general is, is a, I, I'm, I'm going to use the word, I don't want to be mean. So ghosting in general, <laughs> I'm like trying to choose my words wisely here. Fuck um, it. Can, Just go I for know, it. <laughs> I know, I'm like too nice. Um, can, can be a little cowardly, you know, okay. when, when we ghost someone, and I'll be honest, like I've definitely ghosted people in the past and I'm not proud of it. And mm-hmm. I've done a lot of work around that to make sure that I don't repeat those kinds of things again, ever. Um, but when, when we don't have the strength within us to say to someone, hey, this isn't a good fit for me anymore, that person then has some work to do, right, around mm-hmm why they're doing this, what's getting in their way from actually being authentic and showing up in a genuine way so someone doesn't leave a relationship feeling hurt. Yeah, I could see that the value that we're talking about here around ghosting is respect. 
Absolutely. I'm going to respect the person that either I'm chatting with yeah. or that I have gone out with once or twice to just say, hey, I don't feel like it's the right fit right now. Let's either option A, stay connected on social media. Option B, hey, I've got a friend for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done that before where you know a, a girl was traveling internationally when we first matched on an app. And I have these very specific boundaries around my workday. You know, I'm a personal trainer, so I start my workday at six and uh, my busiest time is 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. So I'm not texting at that time. But it was like repeated messages before 9 a.m. for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just like not feeling it, but I know that there's a perfect person out there for you. Do you mind if I make the introduction? What's your email address? And I email connected them and um, followed up a little bit later. That was very nice of you. <laughs> it, was a, it was a little nice of me. Um, the reason why I thought they'd be a good match is that they both had fitness as a priority and cycling specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he's a modestly height guy, 5'6", five, 5'7", five, something like that. And I had to make sure that she was shorter than him because that's a, that's a stinging point for him. I know it. Okay. <laughs> it's really great that you know that. <laughs> you know, we have these conversations over Facebook Messenger, or I would see him at an event every now and then. He's mm-hmm. come to one of mine. I've been to one um, for another local matchmaker that he was at, and it ended up he and I talked all night, and, and I don't think I talked to a single girl just because we were having so much fun uh, bringing the energy of like guy talk, you know. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot in common with the fitness thread. So, That's awesome. Um, <laughs> Before we hit record, I threw out a term that you weren't familiar with, and that's submarine. I'm like, what is that? How do I not know this? <laughs> this, this would also be in context of the values, um, okay. like the value of, of respecting other people, being kind to other people. Uh, let's say somebody's ghosted you for a period of time, and then all of a sudden they resurface like a submarine. Okay. Yeah. So they go deep. They're not heard of from six to eight weeks or whatever, and then they come back up to the surface and they reach okay. out again. That makes sense. Yeah, that that to me sounds very much like like the zombie effect. You know, same thing. Like you like you know come back from the dead essentially, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you you reemerge. Yeah. Yeah, they raise up from the dead, and they have a bunch of excuses of like, oh, I got the Aww. zombie plague from Walking Dead and stuff. Work like that. was busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting to me because this is like the part of toxic dating culture that like I love to hate, you know, like I, I think that people are super creative and super funny, like making up these kinds of uh, labels to give to these shit behaviors. But the reality is these shit behaviors are really harmful. Mm-hmm. And by continuing to like name these things and to, you know, act in these ways, we're just perpetuating this toxic dating culture that um, this continues to be a, be a problem. And which, which honestly is what's putting people in my office, you know, for Mm -hmm. therapy. Um, so I, I appreciate it. I appreciate all of these lovely words that we've assigned. Um, but at the same time, you know, my, my hope is that we can start to shift the toxic dating culture and, and we're not, and, and continuing not, not to do these things to other people and being more accountable. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And it's what it sounds like you're talking about is like diminishing how negative these behaviors are on other people. And, and yeah. that's a huge part of our, our authentic community and, and communication is, is a big piece of that. Absolutely. You know, when, when we don't take the other person's per, like, like experience into account, we are not being relationally responsible. That's, that's for sure. And we're also really abandoning ourselves in that moment, right? By not holding ourselves accountable to a higher standard, um, which I think we all could do a little work on when it comes to ethical dating. Totally agree. And uh, we're talking about values and the buzzword is boundaries and self-abandonment is a huge piece of that puddle, but they're all related. Yeah. So if somebody's being repeatedly ghosted, and they have a hard time setting boundaries, which allows that low accountability behavior and they're self-abandoning and they're dating people that does not the right fit for them. I think you guys called it flea bagging. Oh yeah. That's what, that was the term that I discovered like a couple mm-hmm. days before I spoke to Mark. I'm like, have you heard of this? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and what we're doing is we're like, we're negating how impactful this toxic culture is on our, on our psyche. And I know that I bump, bump, bump against this frustration wall every once in a while. And I'm like, 
screw it. I'm just going to take a break. And that's a good thing for me. Mm -hmm. You know, part of our responsibility to ourselves is if we're feeling exhausted from dating, if we're feeling like we've just been put through the ringer, like, I, I think it is responsible and okay to take a step back reevaluate, kind of come back to yourself and say, what are the, like, why am I doing this? What am I looking for? What is it that I need out of this experience? So you can really come back to it in a more positive and, and, and prepared, honestly, stance. Um, and, you know, for, for people who are becoming and, and being ghosted multiple times or like other people reemerge, what, you know, whatever, all these negative things that are being thro thrown in people's way, I think it's important to understand like the kind of person that you're choosing because that has a lot to do with it, you know? Um, and that's like a, that's a much larger conversation in terms of attachment and things like that. But I, I do think that it's valuable to like really take a step back and say, what, what, the, what do all these people have in common and why am I choosing them? Mm -hmm. Totally agree. And that's, uh, that's definitely uh, something I wanted to have outside eyes on. So I saw a counselor for 20 months and it was a huge benefit for me. So I'm a big advocate for reaching out to mental health professionals, which is why our podcast interviews them mm -hmm. so frequently. And, and I appreciate your time again, because like, I'd rather have the experts knowledge and share it with the world than just go, go out there guessing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. okay, what is my repeated pattern? What do I have to look at that is an unhealthy repeated behavior that could actually change that exhaustion into an experience that I enjoy? Absolutely. And how, like, how can I heal from this? How can I make myself better? How can I improve my, my experiences? And a lot mm -hmm. of that does have to do with looking inward. Mm -hmm. Definitely agree with that. So uh, we're, we're, really spending a lot of time on the podcast discovering what authenticity means to our individual listener. And so we're, we're providing a lot of different definitions um, of how to authentically date, you know, and today we're talking about values and boundaries and self-abandonment, but you come at it from a unique place. And that's why I wanted to chat is this ethical place. So walk me through what you're sharing with your clients when mm -hmm. they encounter something like we've been talking about so far. Mm -hmm. So ethics are very important to me just as a human, okay? So I, I, I run my practice very ethically. I feel like I walk around the world pretty ethically. Um, and, and I just like to treat people from, from an ethical standpoint. So for me, ethical dating makes sense. Um, so when I am referring to ethical dating, what I mean is you are holding yourself to a standard that you have determined because it's important to you. And these are your personal ethics when it comes to how you show up in the dating sphere, whether that's in person, like meeting people or online or, you know, through a matchmaker or whatever route you're going, you have decided these are my ethics and I'm going to stick with them because they're important to me. That's partly why I ask people about their value system because then they can come back and say, all right, well, based on my values, here are the ethics the actions I'm going to take to make sure that I'm holding myself accountable to my values. Does that make sense? Yeah. Summed up perfectly. Okay. Uh, if, <laughs> let, let's apply it to um, kind of like a real life situation. Um, mm -hmm. how, how does that come up? Um, we were talking about, I'm not, I'm going to set my standard to not ghost somebody, mm -hmm. but that's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. Right. So if your standard or if your ethic is, I'm not going to go someone, then that means that you have to be able to hold yourself accountable to that and to take some risks and to maybe get some feedback that you don't like. That's part of the, that's, that's part of the process and be able to really genuinely say to people, and there are kind ways to do this. It was great chatting with you. I don't think it's a good fit for me. Take care, you know, or after meeting someone for a few times, it was great meeting you. I enjoyed blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I don't think if there's much chemistry here for me, I'm going to move on to other options or, you know, whatever you want to say. So there are kind ways to do that. And honestly, I think it's much better for people to hear what's going on for you instead of leaving them guessing, which is what ghosting essentially does. It like just leaves someone guessing 
and again, potentially traumatized based on the course of that, that, that situation. Yeah. We never know what the other person is experiencing. No. And that's, that's part of that lack of accountability that I'm feeling like this kind of swims around right now with, with the, with toxic dating culture is that we're, we're not holding ourselves accountable enough. Um, and we're losing our sense of, you know, like, like relational self-awareness, excuse me, relational self-awareness, which is why I'm so attached to the idea of ethics in our dating lives. Mm -hmm. Because you think it will solve what exactly? Like this big, huge movement worldwide. Oh my gosh. If I could like start a movement, I'd be so happy. Um, how do I do that? Someone mm -hmm. help me. Um, so, so I, I think it will create less stress in, in the dating sphere. I think it will produce more intentional and authentic daters. I think people's experience will be less negative um, and more real, you know? And I think people will actually give others a fair chance to see if it's a really good fit for them or not. I think that we're really, really good at going on to the next person mm -hmm. because we have this idea that there are so many available to us. There are not, sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, sorry, the data proves it. Um, so so that's, that's my hope, right? And, and, I, and I do think that with technology, that it's, it's becoming more and more difficult to be socially conscious in that way. So my hope is that we can kind of take a step back and really evaluate like why we're here, what we want out of it, and how we can be as ethical as possible. So we have a good experience. And so the people that we're coming in contact with have a good experience as well. Mm -hmm. Even if it doesn't end up in a relationship, like that's okay. That's, yeah. that's why dating apps exist now. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So something that commonly comes up in our community is like, now that we're talking about ethically dating, um, some people choose to ethically date just one person at a time. Yeah. And on the other side, you can ethically date more than one person at a time. Yeah. And I think that this is like a really good real life example to kind of like break down and walk us through it. Um, that both are okay, ethically, as long as we're doing what? So either are completely fine, but if you are going to ethically date multiple people, I would probably be upfront about it. You know, um, I would try to be as fair as possible. And, and again, like it's, it's not necessarily a negative thing to like be dating two or three people at a time if you can manage that. Like that's, I'm really impressed by that to be quite honest. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I'm very impressed by your time management skills if, <laughs> if you can pull that off. Um, but I think part of that is, is, is being very clear about your intention and, you know, why you are dating in that way. Like, I don't want to, you know, pull my eggs in one basket. I don't even know if that's like, an inappropriate thing to say. That's like the only thing that's, that's coming to mind right now. You know, just, just being very clear, just like when it comes to sexual stuff, like if, if you are using dating apps to have casual sex, that's fine, but you need to be upfront about it because not everyone is using dating apps for that. Yeah. Communication is definitely key component when it comes to uh, how we like to date. Absolutely. It also gives the other person on the other end of that an option to say, you know what, thank you for telling me that. I don't know if I can date someone who's dating multiple people, so I'm going to make an exit, right? Mm -hmm. So it gives that person a fair chance to like make a choice that, that works for them, you know? I totally agree with that. Like that comes from the value of respect once again of like, yeah. I'm giving the person respecting what their boundaries are, what their choice is to ethically date. And I'm giving them the choice to make, to choose for them what's the best fit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, mm -hmm. and why I bring it up is I've been mulling over um, what it feels like based on attachment styles and based, based on the modern dating culture. I've been mulling over what it feels like for both parties dating multiple people. And what I'm kind of digging deeper into is that it gives them the option or the opportunity to take more risks when they are connecting with more than one person at a time. Say as like, my value is honesty. 
and transparency. And I'm honestly and transparently sharing with partner A and partner B, and it's not the right fit for partner B. Okay, well, I just kind of won there by mm-hmm. living through my values and ethically dating more than one person at a time. And I allowed somebody to excuse themselves because I took a risk that was honest and transparent from my point of view. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you take that risk, you have to be okay with the outcome, right? So part of that ethical system is, well, if I say that I'm going to be honest with people and here I am being honest, then, then the risk is some people might not like my honesty. That's okay though. You know, that's you living authentically and you not hiding behind something because you're afraid of what the other person might think, say, do. Mm-hmm. And that there's a lot of fear of loss there. Say on the other side, Absolutely. <laughs> in any level of relationship, whatever stage you're in, there's a fear of loss. And, and that's one of the things that creates an attachment. <laughs> on the other side, person A is dating one person ethically. They're communicating that. They're honest about it. They also have this opportunity to risk, take risks and share the same exact information honestly and transparently because they know that there's more people out there, but what they're choosing to do is not necessarily like spreading themselves so thin energetically or financially because it's expensive to date two or three people at a time. It is. And again, that's part of that value system and why I ask people to really, you know, create that, that set of ethics for themselves because it is time consuming to date. It is very expensive to date, right? You are potentially, you know, ignoring friends and family to date. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people like don't work as effectively when they're dating because they're on their phone all day, you know, chatting with people. Like there are costs that are associated with dating outside of money. Uh Um, Opportunity costs, time. Opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I recognize that right now with COVID, plenty of people are saving a lot of money because they're not going on dates. Um, hopefully, uh, that's not what they're doing right now. Um, you know, and, and I think that it's, it's kind of like, like a reality check for, for some people around how much money they're spending on, on dating and, and if it's worth their investment. And I'm not saying it is or not, right? But like there, there are people who are evaluating those things right now. Truth. Absolutely. Uh, from my experience, you're speaking straight to my heart right now because um, I was working at the gym up to 30 hours a week, you know, doing better than I had in a really long time because as a business owner, there's fluctuation and there's ups and downs. And as an online personal trainer, our price point is even lower. So I have to yeah. work harder to find more clients. Right. Yeah. And so when the gym shut down, I literally went from 27 session hours a week to nine. Yeah. In the week before, let's see, this is the second week in March. So there's a lot of unknown for me and a lot of financial changes for me too. And that's an experience that I wanted to go through to see what I could do to handle that. Mm-hmm. And the best decision for me all, all year long, I haven't been on an in-person date yet this year. So that was a personal choice based on my values and um, where I was experiencing fun or stress or too much, too whatever. This year has been amazing for that. But for the financial piece and for the growth piece, like I went from here and lost 90% of my income just like that because of a, something that we're all experiencing together. But had I chosen to continue to date during COVID or <laughs> shelter in place, like I would have a lot of fear and scarcity and um, maybe not diverting my time to the right places. Mm -hmm. And would you then be like authentically showing up with someone at that point, right? It sounds like you would be too Mm -hmm. distracted and and too, yeah, stressed out in in order to do that. Mm -hmm. It was the perfect time for me to commit to myself again and take a break from the dating experience. I was still starting conversations and I was still experiencing um, maybe something going deeper here or something really shallow over here. And, and I'm practicing these communication skills uh, during a time where I'm 100% focused on what my life experience is like right now. And after, I don't know, this is two and a half months sheltering in place, I'm ready. So I'm accepting what the universe is going to provide me on the, on the dating or the romantic life experience. Mm-hmm. That's really amazing. 
you know, I, I think that um, I'm, I'm actually really impressed by that because there are a lot of people, you know, who are really struggling. I mean, and, and I'm not saying that you weren't struggling just emotionally with all this, but the loneliness effect is real. And, um, and it's actually kind of scary for mental health professionals because we are thinking ahead to what this is going to do to people's psyche um, and their mental health prolonged experience of it, exposure yeah. to cortisol, right? Just Absolutely. Through the I mean, roof. We need touch. Like as humans, we need touch. Okay. It's part of our survival. It's part of how we connect to the world. Um, and for those who are single and living on their own and not getting their basic human need met of touch, you know, we, we are concerned about that. And, and when you're talking about like intentionally taking a break to, to do your own work, and not turning towards something to like get your loneliness need met, need, need met in the mm -hmm. process, I think takes a lot of self-control um, and a lot of self-awareness, which again is something that we're trying to promote, right? From like an ethical standpoint, like don't turn to this even before COVID, don't turn to a dating app because you're lonely. That's mm -hmm. very unfair to the person on, on, on the other end, especially if you have no intention of following through with anything and like you just want to talk right? Mm -hmm. That's part of that toxic dating culture. Mm -hmm. um, there are better ways to work on your loneliness and your sadness um, and your lack of connection outside of, you know, using a platform to get that, that need met temp temporarily. because It's just like a quick fix, right? It doesn't yeah. actually solve anything long-term. Sure. I, I heard the analogy, a Band-Aid on a bullet hole wound the other Ooh, day. That's good. Yeah, it was very um, <laughs> expressively accurate. You yeah. know? <laughs> so I, I thank you for that compliment. And I, I appreciate you saying that, um, that it does take a lot of self-awareness. At the time when I was transitioning from making more than $1,000 a week as a personal trainer to <laughs> a tenth of that like that, I didn't know what was going to come out of my decision at the time. I had absolutely no way to predict what the next two weeks or three weeks or months would have in store for me. But I knew in my gut instinct that to handle what was in front of me, it was best for me to do that for myself. And, and a partner can be involved in that um, wholeheartedly. I, I can absolutely give to a partner during this time. I don't believe I could have done that two and a half months ago in mid-March, uh, which is why there was a lot of no. And it's a no for me. It's a no for me. Um, and I had anticipated X's reaching out. I didn't know it was going to happen at the timing that it did. But for me, this is boundaries. And why I bring this up is because we're grooves as Americans to have instant gratification. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to the app and I'm going to find somebody to cure my loneliness right now, tonight. It's easy because there's a deck of cards that I can sift through. But for me setting those boundaries at that time, I, I said no twice that week to invitations. Um, one person had chosen to go snowboarding on a weekend when we had plans to meet up. The next time she came around and asked me for a date, I said no. Unfortunately, I value my time a little bit more than that. You can't cancel on me last minute to go snowboarding and then expect to have a second date, especially when you don't reach out for seven days. So this for me was my boundary. Mm -hmm. I said no at the time. What I didn't know is that two months later, two and a half months later, I would be flourishing my, in my business because I said no to somebody two and a half months ago. Right. They're di directly correlated. I just didn't know that was going to be a result. Mm -hmm. I'm immensely grateful for I'm, it. I'm sure. I mean, this is, this is why we have to have a boundary system and our, our value system kind of upfront, right? Because it protects us. And I don't mean that in like, in like a negative way of like needing to be protected from people because that's, that's aggressive. I, I mean that in like, we have to be accountable wholeheartedly. And part of that is being accountable to ourselves first, right? And then accountable to other people. And if you're, value is to protect your time because your time is valuable. My time is valuable, right? Like for someone who charges by the hour, your time is 
automatically valuable. Okay. Um, and there are only so many hours in a day that that one person can like actually work. So I have learned over the course of my career in general to be very protective of my time. When I was first dating online, I was very loose with that. Um, and I learned from that very quickly that this is not going to work for me long-term if I'm going to choose to continue to date. Totally hear that. And um, I can understand where you're coming from because what I saw when I was online dating is like the peak hours of conversation are like 7 to 10 p.m. Oh, that's like well, right in my work day. <laughs> right, because you work with busy adults, professional adults yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. I worked, when I first started my career, I worked two evenings a week um, from like four to seven or four to eight or something mm -hmm. like that because I felt like I would get to burnout faster if I was working into the evenings quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And it was the best choice I could have made professionally um, to only have those two evenings available. One, it consolidated my clients back to back to back. And two, it gave me Tuesday, Thursday to be with my daughter or I was in a relationship at the time. So I was valuing the time spent at home as much as I was valuing my professional life. Mm -hmm. Over the course of time, time freedom has always been a motivator for me. So I've created these online programs that continue to work while I'm doing other things, yep. <laughs> which unfortunately leads to a, a perception of the people that I would date of like, Dave's always available. Mm, mm -mm. Mm, and that's, that's this balance that I had to come to understand and, and how I kind of like overcame that is I didn't project on other people of like, well, I created this time abundance in my life. I deserve to X, Y, and Z that's entitlement, right? Mm -hmm. What I chose to do with that extra time is actually pour back into my purpose. Mm -hmm. And that has given me a perceived value starting here. And then it actually exudes when I go out and I date again. That's really amazing. It really shows how, how we can effectively show up differently when we make choices for ourselves that are good choices. You know, I really like that. Yeah, it's taken a long time to understand that. It was like... Usually um, does. <laughs> I'm a bit of a nonconformist. That's and, good. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I actually don't converse very well at nine o'clock at night. I'm, I'm just not spot on later there. I'm, I'm tired. I've worked all day. Um, I can imagine that like living with me, I've lived with two girlfriends since my divorce, living with me uh, was a bit of a challenge. If like, Hey Dave, it's a Tuesday. Let's, let's open a bottle of wine. Well, it's eight 45. I got bedtime at nine, you know, like wind down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, it, and it can't be that alcohol consumption every night because my day starts at five or six. So that's a boundary for me, you know, mm -hmm. and those are good things for me to have in my life. <laughs> no, but I yeah. can imagine that like non-conforming to like this online peak, peak dating gave a, I have absolutely no idea what perception it gave or what, what the other person was experiencing by conversing with me because I would just stop talking after 8.55 at night, you know, because I fell asleep or whatever. And I know, I know that I owe nobody an explanation here. It's just, we never know what's going on in the other person's life. We don't, however, we, we attach meaning to everything we experience. So someone who maybe has a fear of being ghosted or you know, has a hard time trusting other people and who's actively dating and comes across someone who just stops texting, you know, at like a certain time might not be able to understand like where, where you went and why you're doing that and might not be able to understand your boundaries. And um, that's where I think that we can do like a lot, like, like a better job at being more expressive around like, here are my boundaries with, you know, chatting over the apps and I'm, I'm mindful when I'm on my apps and I have like my dedicated time and I'll definitely get back to you, you know, um, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Totally get that. I'm chatting with uh, just somebody I met on Facebook. I believe it's a more of a professional connection and I'm happy to keep it there because uh, just so much joy in this person's life right now that like maybe they're not even seeking a relationship, which is fine. We, mm -hmm. we haven't even talked about it, but uh, we were chatting on a Sunday about, um, you know, some 
kind of energy dynamic in a relationship, just loosely based on a podcast episode I heard her on and she listened to one of mine and we were just really connecting in a friendly way. At nine o'clock, she said, hey, I'm going to wind down for the night, which means that I don't use Facebook after pretty much now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that is a great way to communicate what your boundary is because mm-hmm. you know what? I actually share the same one. I didn't necessarily have to say that back at that time because it would have been responding after she just set a boundary. All I have to do is say, thank you for setting that boundary. Have a wonderful night. I'll talk to you soon. You know, what's really great about that is even if that person was like really, really loving the, the conversation you were having and like wanted to stay, they held true to themselves and didn't abandon themselves and still set the boundary. That's what I'm talking about (laughs) right there. And you can almost sense this higher vibrational level coming coming even through a social media app like Facebook Messenger. Um, since then, we've had a professional conversation on the phone and enjoyed it. And she's an enthusiast, enthusiast like you. Oh, good. <laughs> and so if you can imagine how this phone conversation went. Right. Um, I ask a question and I, let's see, we made the joke of like, okay, well, I'm going to start at this time frame, August, 2016. And then she talked all the way up through her timeline to August, 2019. And I was like making mental notes of this chronological order here. And it's like really natural for that to occur. From what I'm understanding is like a masculine energy creates the framework and the feminine kind of fills it with artwork. Oh, that's interesting. I have never heard that. Yeah, I'm borrowing that from one of our amazing guests. And it hit true for me that like on a first date, it's totally okay for that feminine energy to dominate the conversation because that's just the winding beauty that exists there. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that. I'm going to look mm-hmm. this person up later. <laughs> I'll, I'll share with you her episode that we interviewed okay. her on yeah. and sh- she'll talk more about it. It's, it's phenomenal. Just like new perspectives that we bring into our community have so much value mm-hmm. around just one topic. Yeah, that's very cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So if your message resonates with people, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? So um, I have to say this because I get a lot of people from around the country who want to do therapy with me. I can only work with people who live or who are residents of the state of Illinois. Um, Unfortunately, that's just the law. I'm looking into how I can creatively and ethically and legally get around that by maybe Mm -hmm. having like a coaching business, but that's Mm -hmm. not on my radar right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can be reached at, um, on, on, on my website, which is live and love And we have a great resources page on there, a ton of books and podcasts and websites and apps that we love all broken up into categories, couples, sexuality, um, mindfulness, things like that. Um, and then the other way to get a hold of me is on our Instagram, which is Chicago sex therapy. And I noticed one thing that you put out there on that Instagram is that there's this disclosure of like the, the, what you're going to find on your Instagram account is not necessarily therapy. It's for education and entertainment. And that's one of the things that I respect most about you is your upfront nature of this is how it is. This is, this is how it is. Um, you know, therapists, we, we have a, an, an ethical code that we have to abide by. And we are, we are giving our information, right, that, that we've all learned from school or trainings and whatnot. And a lot of people are really good at making it like, like uh, um, re- relatable to like the public. And there are really amazing therapists out there pumping out great, great information but it's not therapy. You know, um, these are tools. This is, this is education, sometimes entertainment, you know, and, and things that hopefully people can take and learn from and hopefully take to their therapist or like read a book and, and, and things like that. The other part of my disclosure is, um, it, it talks about consent. And, um, for some reason, I, this must be because I have sex in my, in my handle, (laughs) um, Chicago sex therapy, I do get a lot of really inappropriate messages sent to me, um, you know, and that's just a violation of my consent at that point. So I do have a disclosure about that too, um, which I think is appropriate to be quite honest. So I, I love disclosures. (laughs) 
And that sets and a healthy boundary. My boundary. <laughs> yeah. that is very much my boundary. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I know that your time is valuable. So if there's one thing that we touched on briefly or that we didn't get to that you want to leave us with, what would that be? So I just want to say to everyone who is out there dating and, you know, trying to navigate modern dating culture, you are not alone. There are plenty of people who feel the same way that, that you do if it's not as positive as you are hoping to feel. My ask for anyone, and I say this to all the people who come into my office and to all of the people that come to our workshops, my ask is that you make better choices so your behaviors do not continue to contribute to the toxic dating culture. That's my ask. Um, I think that we can lead much more ethical lives if we all make better choices for ourselves and we start to treat each other with a little bit more respect. Very well said. Yes, of course. <laughs> well, Michelle, it was an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, I know you've got a busy, a busy day ahead of you and it's a blessing, right? To be business owners and to say, have Friday after four o'clock, I'm good. I'm no yep. longer available. And um, I've got a call at 3.30. Perfect. I've got a call at four o'clock. And uh, that's the end of my work week. That's awesome. And, um, and enjoying the opportunity of like, checking in with who I am in our current existence right now is like, well, invited to go on a hike with friends tomorrow. I'm like, okay, how many people are going to be there? How many people have I been in contact with before? Yep. And then how many new people are coming into the, yeah. the small hike? So a great opportunity for us to set boundaries in a very logical and um, oftentimes well-received kind of a way. You know, I was asked out on a coffee date last weekend and I gave it a day of thought and I'd originally said yes because we've been out before one of my last dates mm -hmm. in December. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, that's not me living up to that value that I had set for myself of like, who am I in contact with? Who do I see? I have still have to take care of my roommate and clients and that's my responsibility. Yeah. You know, I... And, and you and I talked about this briefly before, but I'm, I'm asking people to protect their physical health now, like they would protect their sexual health. Right. And now that COVID is here, like there are a series of questions that my hope is that people are asking, especially if, especially as states reopen and like it's, and, and it's becoming like more acceptable to be around other people. Social distancing is still a thing. And you still need to know, you know, who that person has been in contact with, if they live with people, if those people are essential workers, right? Like, these are all very important questions. And just like we would with, you know, asking about STI status, are you dating other people right now? And are you physically seeing them? Because my health is important to me. And I don't want to put my, myself at risk with, with the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. I love that perspective and the tie-in as well. Um, Cause the way we do one thing is the way that we do everything. Excuse Absolutely. Me. And as a result, I set the boundary for myself first. I was like, okay, what is my awareness? What am I comfortable with? Not comfortable with in person. Uh, so we rescheduled a FaceTime date. It was a lot Perfect. of fun. Perfect. Uh, mm -hmm. And moving forward, I think that the physical health conversation really prepares us for that sexual health conversation as we maybe go on four or five FaceTime dates within a month, four or five different people. That's totally fine and ethical, especially when we're setting the boundary around FaceTime or in person. And then moving forward to seeing each other in person, then okay, let's in the same fashion have the same sexual health conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, so that we can protect each other. Absolutely. You know, I, I think COVID is really going to change how we interact in a lot of different ways. And um, part of that, I hope, is going to make us better communicators around our health in general. Um, so just please be prepared, everyone, for, mm -hmm. for having these kinds of very important conversations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you saying that so much and the transparency that you brought to the table today. Really appreciate that as well. So we're not trying to control the outcome here, but if we are future thinking, you alluded to it just now, be prepared for what? What are we, what are we preparing ourselves for emotionally, mentally, physically um, moving forward? 
So that's a, that's a big conversation, but you know, <laughs> like, should I get into the science? Um, so let's know, go with your gut instinct and like so, your, your intuition here. Yeah. So I, we are preparing for, I, my hope is preparing for a culture that starts to shift back, like back towards being connected and less distracted. I think people are really feeling the exhaustion of what it's like to be on their own, of what it's like to be on Zoom calls all day, um, the, and, and all the pressure of that. So my hope is that looking forward, we do come back to a connected, you know, intimate kind of group of friends and family and, 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 and relationships. My hope is that people come out of this as better communicators, um, especially around their boundaries and their safety. My hope is that you know, people who are partnered and living together can come out of this and they're stronger. Um, and I recognize that that's not going to be the case for everyone. Um, and my hope is that for daters that they really just based on the, on, on having this built in distance have taken the time to slowly get to know people and really figure out for themselves what they're looking for from a, from a, a relationship or a partner long term. And that, hoping that that slow down impact of COVID and not being able to be physically with someone can really highlight that for them. That's, that's my hope in terms of looking forward. I'm, I'm all on board with that. I have a lot of hope that um, I'm just going to leave it at that because <laughs> I that's mean, fair. because you, you said it very, very well. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it definitely paints a beautiful picture in my mind, um, me choosing to be single during this time. Um, and, and I feel like that's, if, if that's what works for you and for someone who's listening, then that's great. Listen to yourself. There's, there's nothing wrong with, with listening to what, you're in, to, to what your, your gut is telling you. Mm-hmm. And that's what my gut was saying. And, and it's definitely proven, uh, proven to be correct time and time again, um, learning to set boundaries, learning why they're important, um, learning uh, what it means for me to feel safe. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you again, Michelle. It was yeah. really a pleasure to chat with you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.